Green might be the General Services Administration's new favorite color, but we're not talking about money this time. GSA is energizing its commitment to green government across its entire portfolio of products and services. Federal News Network's executive editor Jason Miller joins me now to discuss how GSA plans to do its part to battle climate change. And Jason, let's start with the executive order that the president signed in January on climate change. What does GSA have to do here? It seems like every agency has a new role based on these executive orders. You read any of them, it says agency will do X and Y and Z. And, and really, this January EO is no different. It's a climate change saying it's a, it's a national security issue. Every agency has a responsibility. And so, for instance, GSA is a member of the National Climate Task Force, one of several members, in fact. And then there's an entire section on the, in the EO around the federal buying power to address climate change. And that's where a lot of GSA's efforts will come into play. But the fact is GSA has a plan to deliver, and that plan was initially due in April, and it focused on clean energy vehicles, among other things. White House has extended that deadline to May 27th, so they have a little bit more time, about a month or so, and they're working on it, and and they're also developing another plan around sustainability that's going to be out later this summer. So as you see, Tom, it's a lot going on. Now, this plan that's due at the end of May will address several different things to achieve what they call a carbon pollution-free electricity sector no later than 2035. Sounds like a long time away, but it's it's probably going to happen very quickly. A number of the goals include you know, clean and zero-emission vehicles for federal, state, and local, including the Postal Service. I recommend any legislative changes that maybe are necessary. And, of course, there's a plan to retain union jobs and to ensure that they're running this clean and, and zero-emission fleets. So there's a lot going on that the GSA is involved in. And we've seen greening waves wash over the government before. I think almost every administration, to some degree, has had this. What is new or different this time around? Tom, you're absolutely right. GSA has been a leader in this area for decades. But as our colleague Amelia Bruss reported earlier this month in her special report, Building Back Greener, GSA and the government writ large really has fallen behind in the last decade or more. The progress it made to green government has seriously waned, and it's just not under the Trump administration. It started really under the Obama administration. So what GSA is doing is taking several steps to re-energize a lot of these efforts. Kitty Kale is the acting GSA administrator. She says the Green Building Advisor Committee is moving out quickly to address many of these new goals. I am excited to announce that two new task groups have been formed within the Green Building Advisory Committee. The first is the Federal Building Decarbonization Task Group, and the second is the Environmental Justice and Equity Task Group. First, the Decarbonation Task Group will explore opportunities for reducing greenhouse gas emissions in buildings in the federal real estate portfolio through the use of renewable energy, energy efficiency, electrification, and smart building technologies at our federal facilities. They had their first meeting and will provide some recommendations to GSA this fall so that we can begin to develop a roadmap for the decarbonization of our federal buildings. The second is the Environmental Justice and Equity Task Group. This group is going to improve engagement with diverse communities and key partners throughout design, construction, operations, renewal, and occupancy. We believe this engagement will lead to increased inclusion, opportunities, and green jobs in the federal sustainability building process. GSA's Acting Administrator Katie Kale, she also says the task groups will meet bi-weekly 
and the meetings will be open to the public. But, Tom, it's more than just two new working groups. We see new working groups all the time across government. GSA is actually pushing these green government concepts across all of its products and services and down into the supply chain. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And they're rethinking their approach, she said, to the buildings they manage. How are they looking at those? The greening of buildings is a huge opportunity for GSA. Again, going back to our colleague Amelia Bruss reporting, she says that uh, GSA says about 60% of its leases that are held currently are set to expire by 2023. So this is a perfect opportunity to push more green buildings. In fact, Katie Kale says the opportunities are wide as they are far for green buildings. When we're talking about the decarbonization in buildings, it's all of the things that we need to to do to reduce and eliminate greenhouse gas emissions that are caused by the operation of the building. And that could include replacing gas boilers with solar, hot water, or using ground source heat pumps. It just really makes sure that we're including every efficiency measure that we can to accomplish, such as using smaller, more more local equipment for heating and cooling, by making sure you know motors are high efficiency motors, adjusting control strategies to reduce peak loads. So it's A to Z. We got everything covered is what we're looking at. That was, again, uh, GSA Acting Administrator Katie Kale. Also on the call from, from this GSA event was uh, Sonal Kemkar Larson, a senior advisor to the Administrator on Climate. And she says one of the task forces will focus on the procurement and construction of buildings. It will look at everything from new certifications to as well as supply chain opportunities and make recommendations to GSA. Yeah, and you mentioned those government cars that GSA manages. There's a couple of hundred thousand of them. Are they electric yet or hybrid? Where do they want to go next with the federal fleet? Yeah, there's 670,000 cars and trucks uh, that GSA currently manages. Most are agency-owned. This also includes the Postal Service. The fleet uh, also uh, does have some electric cars, 16 types that are battery-operated cars, five that are plug-in or hybrid electric vehicles. There's there's also another, if you will, 200,000 vehicles that are leased. So this opportunity is huge. Charlotte Phelan is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Travel, Transportation, Logistics at GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. She says the fleet is more than just cars, but trucks and even school buses. The biggest challenge that we are looking at is actually with charging and infrastructure. So... We need to deploy electric vehicle infrastructure to ensure we're able to do the large-scale vehicle deployment while also ensuring that agencies are still able to accomplish their mission. So that, to me, is probably going to be the most complicated part of it. Now, Phelan says GSA hosted roundtables with the automotive and charging industries over the last month or so uh, to learn more about the vehicles and what the latest technology is around charging infrastructure. She says GSA actually is developing a plan to address this challenge, and that's going to be out in a couple months. And the long-term strategy, Tom, is, is what Sonny Hashmi, the commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service, says is get to zero emissions over the next several years. And, and that's a goal that is, it's not easy to do considering the size of GSA's fleet, how much cars people will eventually drive once people go back to the office and, and begin more normalcy once the hopefully the pandemic subsides quite a bit. But the goal here is is green across the entire agency, from products to services to to anything else that's in between. So GSA is setting themselves up for a lot of work over the next four, five, seven years. They sure are. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks for that roundup. My pleasure, Tom. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, 
What we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government is over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that 
call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling. Uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.